just thinking, um, well, I was thinking two things. I was first of all thinking, John's only been leading a few months and already half the women have left the church. <laughs> but then I thought that wasn't appropriate, so I'll, um, I'll go with something more spiritual. I feel a bit echoey. Am I a bit echoey? Huh? Okay. But I, when I was just praying this morning, um, before I got here, I just really had an overwhelming sense of the Holy Spirit wanting to show me, well, I actually saw a picture of, you know, the Lamb's Book of Life? Have you heard of that? The Bible talks about the Lamb's Book of Life, and basically in this book, the day that you, we sung about it this morning, the day that we die, depart this world as we know it, we stand before God. And he opens a book, this isn't part of my message, but I just felt to share this with you. He opens a book, and in that book is our names. Well, hopefully, hopefully your name's in that book. But I don't think, and this, I kind of pondered on this, and I kind of thought to myself, I think that moment that we're stood just take a minute just to kind of get your head around this thought, right? I think at the moment that you and me stand before God on our own, I don't think we'll give a monkeys about anything else we've ever been bothered about. <laughs> Do you? Just, 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 just think. Is there anything on the planet? This is what I was thinking this morning. And all the songs we sang just kept reminding me of that. I don't think we'll care if we drove a Ferrari or a beaten up old whatever. I don't, whether we're wearing Ralph Lauren or Primark, or Primani as my kids call it. I don't think any of it will matter, will it? If we're popular, if we're not popular, if we've got lots of likes on our Facebook feed, or you guys don't use Facebook anymore, us old boys use Facebook. None of it will matter, will it? Will it? What will matter, <laughs> I know what I'll be thinking, the minute I stand before the Lord and I'm looking at him and he's opened that book, John, 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 oh, it's spelled without an H, John got you, you're in. That minute that God reads my name, Lance, you're one of mine, you're one of my faithful sons, come on in. I, I, I can't think of anything. All the things we do in life, everything, I mean, all of it will just disappear like that, won't it? Every, it just, everything we worry about, everything we concerned ourselves about, all, our kind of everything we want to attain, we want to buy, the holiday, none of it. None of it. We're here. We are here. We are here. Really just for a when, I, when I, I went to teach in the high school in, uh, uh, voluntarily when I was a youth leader and I had this naughty class and I think I've said this story before but it's good to hear it again. I had this naughty class, right? And it was the teachers when I got there, they just said to me, just entertain them for half an hour. We don't really care if you teach them anything to be honest with you. It just gives us a break. <laughs> and I went in and they were, it was like they were just... And I, I, there was those old school blackboards and I remember drawing a line from one end of it to the other... 
and I notched off a tiny little piece. I mean, it was as long as the black canvas here. And I said, guys, the reason I'm here today is because I want to make sure that the decisions you make in this drop in the bucket now on earth depends where you spend eternity. Your head around that. This is, you know, this is just 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. And that's it. Then we have thousands on thousands and thousands of years to live. Doesn't, when, when you think like that, I think, I think when, if we just could bring our thinking, when we're worrying or concerning ourselves, is this going to happen and that's going to happen, if we, just, if we just took a minute and thought about the big picture of eternity, my name being in that Lamb's Book of Life, I think a lot of stuff that we concern ourselves with, we wouldn't concern ourselves with, would we? Amen? <laughs> so, like John said, we are starting a four weeks, four weeks series on kingdom living. It's called kingdom living, right? And... Um, I think this is like really, like John said, just reinforcing. It's some of the theology I was just reading through it this week is is basic, but actually life changing if you just get your head around it. So maybe I'll just pray for you guys. Is that all right? Let's pray. Because you know what, you're not sat in this church today because there's no football on this morning, are you? We're not sat here because we're sat here. I believe. Because God put your lovely backside on one of those chairs. Because God wants to do something in your heart this morning. Otherwise, you might as well have stayed in bed. Right? So let's just pray that God will speak to you. It doesn't really matter what Lance has got to say. What matters is what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you sat on that chair this morning. So Father, I pray for every single one of us. I pray for every single person sat in one of those chairs this morning that you... Holy Spirit would deposit something in every single one of our hearts. Father, I ask you that not one of us would leave this building this morning having not encountered you, having not heard your voice. Because you say your sheep will hear your voice, will know your voice. So I pray that's exactly what will happen this morning, that we will hear you and know you. I thank you for the plans and the purposes and the calling on all of our lives, Father. And I pray between now and us standing before you, waiting to hear our name read out of that Lamb's Book of Life, that we won't miss a single thing that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen? We don't want to miss it, do we? Just tell the person next to you, get ready for some good news. And tell the other person on the other side of you, whether you like it or not, you're going to get it anyway. So, um, like I said, so, so kingdom living, right? Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about kingdom living, and I'll try not to go on too long, and um, we'll all make lunch. John's paying. Hooray! <laughs> no, he's not. 
So Jesus, you know, it's a funny thing. If you say kingdom living, the kingdom of God, right? I was thinking about this. It's, it's an unusual thing. We don't say, we, we, you know, we say we're a Christian or we're walking with God. Um, we don't really say, you know, we're living the kingdom, do we? we don't, it's not a thing that we, we commonly say. Um, what are you, a Christian? or No, I'm living the kingdom. But Jesus, I found out this week, referred to the kingdom of God 150 times which surprised me. I didn't realize that. 150 times Jesus referred to it. The prophets, Daniel, Ezekiel, all those guys prophesied a new king coming and establishing a new kingdom. God's rule and reign. I think in this series, the next four weeks, when you hear us guys preaching about kingdom living, I think what will help tremendously and theologically would be every time you hear the kingdom of God, you, you, in brackets next to it, hear the words, God's rule and reign. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, it's an easy thing to make a mistake and think it's some far-off distant land. If we think of the, a kingdom, we think of a king sat on a throne with a crown and a scepter. But in the original language, and when Jesus spoke about it, what Jesus was talking about was the rule and reign of God now on earth. We see in this scripture here, Mark, scripture, thank you. The appointed period of time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So Jesus is here, right at the beginning of Mark, Jesus is, an, is announcing the kingdom's here. It's at hand. He hadn't gone to the cross yet, but it's on its way. God's rule and reign. My favorite bit of scripture, and I just kind of read it again this week. My favorite scripture is Matthew 6, 33. It's where Jesus said, it's part of his Sermon on the Mount, it's when Jesus said, you know, don't worry about all this stuff, because before, in Matthew 6, you can read it for yourself, they're saying, you know, we, we're worried about what we're going to wear, what we're going to do, all the things we worry about, right? How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? Fill up the car? Do we... Do we eat or heat or what's the, like, yeah, whatever. You know, all that great news you see on the news every day. Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, don't worry about any of this. Turn to the person next to you and say, stop worrying. I know it's a bit cheesy, but it gets in your head. I want it to get in your thinking. Jesus continually says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. What do we do? Why? What a sinful bunch. <laughs> um, if you're watching online, I don't mean that, okay? I'm going to get in trouble again. But Matthew 6, 33 says, Jesus says, don't worry about any of that stuff, Right? He says, first seek the kingdom of God. Now, what did I just say you should reference the kingdom of God as? God's rule and reign. Brilliant. If you remember one thing today, remember that. Kingdom of God equals God's rule and God's reign. Here now. Here right now. Jesus says, don't worry about anything. First seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, in brackets, that you worry about, I'll add them to you. So what he said is, go after 
the kingdom of God. My rule and reign where you are, and I'll take care of that. Because we, what we do, and God spoke, given me this word a few times in my life, I've put the cart before the horse. You know, you know, what, you know what I mean by that analogy, right? We try and think, right, let's get life right, and then we'll slot God in. And I know we're all too spiritual to, to, to admit that we do that, but we're like, you know, I'll first do this, and I'll first do that. I was being speaking to a guy in the discipleship group about giving his life to Christ. He says, yeah, and I just want to make sure before, I don't, don't, I don't want to be pressured, before I give my life to the Lord, I want to get everything right. <laughs> I want to get all these things in line. <laughs> I said, mate, if you're waiting to get your life right before you get to know God, I'm telling you now, it's not going to happen. It's tough enough getting your life right with Jesus, never mind blinking without it, isn't it? So Jesus says, don't worry. First seek the kingdom of God. And he actually mentions, in Matthew, he mentions Solomon. And I love the story of Solomon. It's got to be one of my favorite stories. When you know the story when God arrived and spoke to Solomon in the middle of the night in a dream, he said to Solomon, what do you want? And what did Solomon say? He asked for wisdom, right? The actually, a better translation and you can, you can search this out for yourself, but a better translation is what actually Solomon asked for was a hearing heart. What Solomon asked for, which, let's just remember, delighted God, delighted God, he was exceedingly happy with Solomon at this point in Solomon's story, when, when he said to God, I want a hearing heart, what Solomon said is, I want a heart to know your plans for my life and the people's lives that I govern. I want to know your plans. I want to know your rule and reign. That's what I want. I want to know it. I want to know what you're saying. I want to know what you want me to do, and I want you to know how, how you want me to do it. I want that above everything. And God was so delighted with Solomon, he gave him everything, didn't he? Everything. I mean, you imagine now, if like John was here on a Sunday, sat there on a solid gold chair with a solid gold footstool. I mean, that's the kind of, that's the... The wealth and the and the favor and the and the blessing that God poured out on on King Solomon through his initial ask of I just want to know what you want me to do. I just want to I just want your rule and reign. Another scripture in uh, Luke. You won't be able to say here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God, Luke says, is already among you. It's here now amongst us. We're not waiting for it. It's here. I heard a good analogy this week. It talks about an uh, embassy. And it parallels it to the kingdom of God. I thought it was great. And I remember, actually, when we used to live in South Africa, there's this horrible old, horrible old story which went round, a bit of a folk tale, called The Night of the Long Daggers. I won't go into it too much because it is a bit hairy, right? And what it is, is there's going to be this uprising amongst the, uh, amongst the people of South Africa, and they're going to, and they're going to take out these long daggers, and they're going to, because they were so oppressed in South Africa with apartheid, that this is going to be the day the daggers are out and it's payback. And they still talked about it, even when, when we, we moved to South Africa and Nelson Mandela was leading the country, um, they were still talking about this. I remember a, a, a guy, of, a friend of mine, he was one of the leaders in the church, actually. He said to me, he, he goes, oh, I go, you're right. He goes, oh, I've just, what time do you call this coming to church, son? <laughs> just because mom's away. 
I said to him, what's the story? He said, he said um, that was very unprofessional, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> For you of you on TV, my son's just arrived at church at this time in the morning. <laughs> so this story, right? And so this friend of mine, he's one of the leaders, he was in, he was in the special forces, and he got to know quite a lot of um, uh, South African chiefs, and it's a very tribal country. And he was talking to him about the night of the Long Daggers. And he was telling me, he goes, it's disturbing when I hear these guys talk about it. I mean, we trust God it's never going to happen. But I tell you what, Pastor, he said to me, it's it's, it's a hairy story. Do you know, a few weeks later, I was at the British Embassy. Because I'd heard a lot of the kind of English community there. I said, are you and Kerry on uh, on the embassy list? So that if there's ever a problem in South Africa, you can, they'll actually get you out of the country. Do you know that? I'm like, No. They're like, yeah, you know what you've got to do? You've got to go to the embassy. You've got to put your name down, show them your passport, and show them where you live. And then if there's ever a problem, you're a British citizen. You're an Englishman. You, we'll, we'll, we'll get you out. So I was like, oh, I'm not fearful about that. Anyway, I got there, <laughs> just to be safe. <laughs> put my name down, gave them a passport, gave them a kid's name, said where we're living. I said, look, you know, just don't forget us. But the analogy is this, right? Where I go... Wherever I go in the world, I'm an Englishman. I'm very proud to be an Englishman. I like being an Englishman. What I like about being an Englishman is wherever I go in the world, if there's a problem, I can step into a British embassy, wherever I am, and immediately I'm under the rule and reign. I don't know. I can't remember which prime. What prime minister have we got at the moment? It's changed so often. It'd be a different one. I won't even say a name because you'd be watching this. He's not the prime minister anymore, so... Shouldn't do political jokes at church, sorry. Mad times, isn't it? Thank goodness he doesn't move off his throne. Thank God for that. Thank God our hope and trust is in him and not anyone else. What a scary thought that would be. But I can go into an embassy and, and the rule and reign of my country is extended to me in a foreign land, isn't it? So if, I need, if I've got an emergency, they're going to help me. They're going to get me back. They're going to, they're, 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 they're going to protect me. They're going to, they're going to extend the rule and reign of Great Britain to me, Lance, in a foreign country. And it's exactly the same with the kingdom of God. That you carry that. When you walk into a scenario, a situation, wherever you go, the kingdom of God is with you. I, I think it's one of the biggest deceptions of the enemy to stop people realizing the power and authority we walk. You know, Ephesians says, and I've said it before, I'll keep saying it, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, just get your head around that power, is in you. Is in you. It's not a little bit of power, because you've been naughty last night. The fullness of God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, is in you. Just give the person next to you a dead arm and say, no, don't. I'd get them listening, wouldn't it? Right? That same power. When I walk into a situation, when I walk into a scenario, I have to remind myself often, I take authority. I carry the kingdom of God in me, in this world, right the way through it. Where I go, the kingdom goes. The rule and reign of God goes where I go. If I'm going to the wrong places, it still goes with me. 
God doesn't wait at the door for me to come out of a, not that I go to nightclubs anymore, too old. But you understand what I'm saying? I, I tell you, when we have a revelation, church, I, I mean, honestly, I was thinking about this today. I reckon if we had a revelation of the authority and the full rule and reign of the kingdom of God that we, kingdom of God that we operate in, and then we started the next part of the thing, which you're going to hear the next few weeks, is extending the kingdom. We talk a lot about this, advancing and extended the kingdom. You had just these just 12 men did it change the face of the planet. Imagine, imagine just one church had a full revelation and decided, you know what, we're not going to sit on it, we're going to get active on it. You know, when Sarah preached and talked about service last week, and this isn't a, like, put pressure on the people, twist your arm into service, right? And I think the statistic was that something like 33% of our church is, that is serving in some way. And I'm sure you do other stuff, but that's just roll with this, right? And someone I heard, well, I actually heard a couple of people say, God, that's good. Vineyard's doing well. Most churches, not even 20%. That's appalling. That's appalling. It should be 100%, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it? I mean, I'm not going to put condemnation and heaviness on, but which one of us here should not be doing something? When you were created in your mother's womb, the Bible says God's gifts were assigned to you to fulfill the task that you're on this planet to fulfill. God's rule and reign is here, and it's in you. You have the gifts in you. You have the rule and reign. You have the power and authority of Jesus. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. How can you sit on your bottom? Was it right, wasn't it? So how do you advance the kingdom? I hear you good people of Coastline asking me. How? Thank you. So Jesus, a great example. Jesus taught, well, what he did actually is, and I'll just to kind of abbreviate, you see on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his longest sermon. You see in, in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, Jesus proclaimed the good news the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's amongst you. Don't worry about anything. First seek the kingdom of God. Go after his plans and purposes for your life. And then you don't actually have to worry. You'll worry a lot more when you're going after your plans and purpose. Remember that this week. If you're worrying, I'm telling you, you're going after your plans and purpose. When you're going after God's plans and purpose for your life, it's a whole... It's a whole Less burdensome. And then we see in Matthew 7, 8, and 9, sorry, in 8, 9, and 10, Jesus demonstrates. So the whole way we see through Jesus' ministry, when we talk about advancing the kingdom, there's a proclamation of this is the good news. This is what I've come to establish. This is what I've done for you. I've died on the cross. I've paid your sins. You're forgiven, you're a new creation, you're on the planet, you've got the gifts, you've got the same power that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in you, you've got absolutely everything. There's no way you can stand before God and say, oh, you know, I wasn't as anointed as John, or I didn't, I didn't hear God like Phil, whatever. No excuse. Is there? Just, just turn to the person next to you and say, there's no excuse.
It's proclamation and demonstration. He preached the gospel. He healed the sick. Wherever he went, he preached. He proclaimed and then he healed. Wherever. Read it. And you know what else he did? When he preached, he went into the synagogues. He went to all the synagogues and he preached the good news. And do you know what he did? He healed the sick, didn't he? He preached and he healed. He proclaimed and he demonstrated. Share and tell. Like we do at school, little. that's what he did. Share and tell. I'll share, share and tell. Share and show. Demonstration. Proclamation. We are kingdom people. With the power and authority in the rule and reign, kingdom living that we operate in, we go into an environment, we proclaim truth, we demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit. We heal the sick, we cast out demons. That's just, that's the, that's the basics. You, you can read it for yourself. Matthew 9, he sends them out. He says, go out, heal the sick, cast out demons, do this stuff. Go. What do you need? You've got it. Trust me, you've got it. Go and do it. Where, do you know what? I've, I recently, we're, we're, we're looking at launching some teaching on deliverance and dealing with the demonic, which I think is brilliant because so many churches skirt away from it. I think it's admirable that, that we're, we're, we, want, we want to be the kingdom people who's doing everything Jesus said to do. I love that. That's how I ended up in a vineyard church. When we got back to England, I went to all the churches. And I'm not just blowing the trumpet of Vineyard because I'm in Vineyard, but they, they, they helped the poor. They helped the widows. They did what the, the Bible says. They healed the sick. They did a little bit of demon outcasting. But we're doing it because we want to do it, right? You're in a church like this because you want to be doing what God's called you to do. I know you do. you just got to move all the, all the, the whatever's, whatever's your excuse needs to go. It's rubbish. I promise your excuse is rubbish. I mean, I'm not, my wife would say, you can't say that, my love. You have to be empathetic. Okay, that's still rubbish. You've got to move it. <laughs> You've got to move it. There's nothing more. I promise you, the day you stand before God, you're not going to think, oh, man, I wasted so much time on your stuff. You're not going to think that. Oh, do you know, I just needed that one more thousand pounds. You proclaimed. How can you proclaim? Here's the thing. Because we think, oh, you know, I don't know enough. I don't know enough of the Word of God. It's difficult. You know, I, I haven't had the time to study and blah, 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 blah. We can watch Netflix all week, but we can't do that. You can proclaim. What's your story? That's why I love telling stories. I can tell stories till the cows come home. The guys I disciple, Phil jokes with me all the time. It's another story. Get used to it. You're going to hear loads of stories. I love it. Do you know why? Because it's God... God's victory in my life. I see it. I see it in your lives. I see the thing. I know lots of you sat here. I know the victories you've had. Your story, your, your an, a, a ability to walk into a scenario and proclaim what God's done for you and then pray for them and you, just, just trust God. Just, just, do you know what Jesus said? If you had faith the side of a mustard seed, you know this scripture, it's tiny. He said, you can tell the mountain to be uprooted and move. We've just got to get ourselves out of the way, haven't we? Am I being harsh? <laughs> we had, um, oh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a quick story. Someone say, tell me a story. Tell me a story. 
All right, okay, go on then. You twisted, you twisted my arm. So we had a lady in the church, right? Her name was Betty. She was a lovely lady. She was like a bit of a spiritual mom to Kerry and I. And she said, um, she said, you know, we, we, she had this beautiful um, kind of uh, hotel. Uh, she was the manager of it. She was in our church. Uh, and it was on this cliff top. It was stunning scenery. And the problem they had there was they were getting robbed blind. At nighttime, because they were on the beach, they, the, the, the thieves would come up from the beach because you couldn't put a perimeter around it, and they'd rob, they'd rob the, the bar blind. And she said, can't you guys, because she heard us saying, you know, take authority. That's what you've got to do. I'm proclaiming it. I'm proclaiming the truth. Take authority. Go out and do it. So can you guys then, can you come and pray? Because we're getting robbed blind and we've tried everything. So I was like, you know, in other words, she's saying, do you want to put your money where your mouth is and come and pray for us then? So we're like, yeah, okay, cool. So we came out there and we prayed. We went around and we prayed the perimeter. We understood that where we go, the kingdom of God goes. So we prayed around that perimeter, and she came to church the next Sunday, and the Sunday after, and the Sunday after, she goes, we have never, ever not been robbed or thief from since you guys prayed. In fact, they were so impressed, the staff came to her and said, can you get that guy back? Well, not me, the, the, the guys we went out to pray together. Can you get him back? Because we have a problem in our sleeping accommodation, the staff accommodation, with, a, with a, a demonic thing called a tokolosh. You can Google it, right? Don't Google it now. Tokolosh, it's called. Have you heard of it? Huh? Yeah. And you can, it, it's a Zulu. We lived in Zululand. It's this Zulu. And they described it, the staff, and they're, they're lovely ladies. They described it. They saw it. Now, I know in our English culture, where we're very formal and all together, and some of us even shop at Waitrose. <laughs> that, we don't expect to see demonic stuff running around the place. But they did, and they encountered it, right? I'm a good friend with Phil, so we can, we can have a little joke, can't we, Phil? I must admit, it does taste pretty good when I have dinner at your house. And so they said, can you come in and pray for this thing? They've all seen it, and they're terrified. They're, 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 Africa is a different place. There's so, they're so much, I, I, they're so much spiritually, they so seem to be so much more aware of what's going around it. And it, to them, it's like normal. When we used to drive to church, there's a witch doctor on most, they call the Sangorma. They, they're, they're, they're on most street corners selling, they call it Muti. They're selling the... They're selling their bottles of, of seawater and all the rest of it for hocus pocus and spell. And I'll tell you something, I met a lot of people who were in that realm. Magic, I said to my kids, magic's a real thing. It's not some hocus pocus thing. It's real. You look at the, the scriptures, got it. When, when Aaron threw his staff down, it turned into serpent. And Pharaoh said, go on then. Called his boys. Off they went. Snakes. It's a real thing. I think the more we head towards revival in this country, the more that we're going to see a lot more spiritual things are going to make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. And that's why we, we, need to know, we need to know how to take authority and deal with it. So we ended up going to this, this staff accommodation block. And we got in there and we prayed. I didn't see anything, thank goodness. Um, and we prayed. You know, next Sunday, I was preaching and I looked up and all the staff, <laughs> they come to church. 
I said to Betty, what, how come all the staff? She goes, no, they're, they're, they're in. You guys came and prayed, took authority. The demonic stuff's left. They're all like, they've moved their, their, their magic and visiting the witch doctor, and now they're in. Because we proclaim it and we demonstrate it. Kerry and I, at one point, we were renting this house. We were thinking of coming back to England a bit earlier. Anyway, we, we sold up, got a place, beautiful place. Same problem there was it, all the houses along the river, because there was no fences, because the tide would go, they were, they were getting burgled. It turned out we're the only house that didn't get burgled out of all of them. Say 30. Okay, maybe 20. I was exaggerating a bit. And we were sat outside on our porch, and the neighbors came up to Kerry and I, and they said, uh, what are you guys doing? They don't know us. We didn't know them. And they said, I said, what do you mean? What am I doing? They said, well, you, we've, you're the only house that's not been burgled. I said, well, we just pray. They go, what do you mean you pray? I said, well, we just, well, if you really know what we do, we take a little bit of oil, and we just, we just anoint the house with oil in Jesus' name, because we see in scriptures that's synonymous with the Holy Spirit, and we just thank you for God's protection, and we sleep well. And they said, well, how much would it cost for you to do that for us? <laughs> Some money in that, mate. <laughs> Are you joking? <laughs> but when we proclaim, and then we step out in faith, knowing that we have the same power the rule and reign, the kingdom of God, where we go, the kingdom of God goes. We should expect it. Can I tell you another quick story? Have I got time? Thank you. Jack and Ori, I like that. This is a story, just to bring it a little bit closer to home, then I'll finish, because I could talk all day, as you know. Kingdom living, kingdom of God, God's rule and reign. Where you go, it goes. Yeah? So Phil and I, we run a little discipleship group every few months. We put it on. And I, honestly, I couldn't orchestrate this better. Two testimonies I got back this week, and I'm like, I asked them. I said, guys, can I share this? Because it looks like I've wangled this to go with my message, but it's like brilliant. They're like, yeah. They said, yeah, do it. I said, you sure? They said, yeah. We're not standing up on stage in a million years, Alison said to me. She goes, you do it. I said, well, I'm going to get you on stage. She goes, it's not happening. All right. And Mark, another guy who's not here, he, he couldn't come. He said, no, he's, he's a stand-up comic. He wants to come and share his own story. But he said, I'd love you to share it first. I said, all right. So here's this, story number one. And I will speed up. Let me have a quick John style. Wait. <laughs> Private joke. <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble, aren't I? <laughs> As, as ever, yeah. I know. All right. <laughs> oh, the women, oh, no, okay. So here's Charlotte's story, right? Alison and Charlotte. Charlotte's anorexia. This was a horrific problem. Charlotte's anorexia started in the summer before her 13th birthday. There were many low points for her and, a, and as a family, including uh, insertion of NG tubes and forced feeding via the tube. Three... Um, Inpatient admissions, two of which she was sectioned under the Mental Health Act. 
which totaled 18 months over a span of three years. Her last, her last discharge was two and a half years ago, and we have managed the eating disorder as an outpatient in the uh, home setting since then. At the lowest point very early on, her blood sugars were low, became um, unconscious, so low they became unconscious. We were in Poole Hospital. It was during the night the doctors couldn't find a vein to insert a cannula. I prayed to our God that um, the next attempt was successful. Uh, she was given intravenous uh, dextra sugar and gradually regained consciousness. This is a young girl, man. When she was stable, she was transferred to a psychiatric hospital with an eating disorder unit, her first admission. Her spiritual journey uh, was in its infancy, but despite the awful five years they've had, she was she, uh, uh, at the hands of the de debilitating illness, her faith has grown. She got baptized. She, I think she's applied now for Moreland's. Uh, we have both prayed regularly over the years, but when I started the discipleship journey, and I, I just want to all is, what we do in the discipleship journey is we proclaim truth, don't we? We proclaim truth, and I, okay, I tell a few stories, right? She goes, we just started the discipleship journey, of course, this is the one we're running at the moment, I think we're on week five or something, week five, six. Um, one of the leaders had a message from God, it was Ben, where's Ben? Good lad, spot on as usual. Um, he got a message from Ben to say that one of my daughters would hugely improve. So I, I remember Phil and I were there. Ben said, I just want to say, we didn't even know what was going on with this lady. Brent, ben starts proclaiming, one of your daughters is going to come right. Um, I prayed over breakfast the next day, feeling reassured from the contents of the course that I had in, this is her words, I haven't changed this, I had within me the power of the Holy Spirit, same power that raised Christ from the dead in her, so what she said to us when she elaborated a bit of the group, she said that she, um, she got home, she was sat around, and she just thought, oh, if these guys are saying, proclaiming, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in me, and the same power in the Holy Spirit is in me here, I'm just going to pray for her at breakfast, right? And so she did. And she said it was a real simple prayer, Alison. You can ask her. She, she, she's in the church. It was like, dear God, these guys at the course said, you're going to heal Charlotte, so please do it. Amen. The next day, she came running to her mom. <sighs> Gets me. This dust in these old buildings is terrible. <laughs> next day, she asked the space. She said the space the anorexia had filled her head has gone, leaving an empty space which she can now fill with a renewed praise for God and some nice things she's missed. So they went to the doctors this week, and they said to the doctors, anorexia's gone. And they're like, how? It's possible. Five or six years of trauma, being admitted into psychiatric wards. She said, do you know where Charlotte is? Last week, I said, no, where? She, she, couldn't, she couldn't put a thing in her mouth in front of anyone. She was this, 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 this demonic thing had gripped her life and was ruining it. She said, I said, where is she this week? She goes, she's in the canteen eating curry with her mates. Wow. Let me just tell you a little bit about Alison, right? She's just like all of us, just a normal mom trying to get through life the best she can, who suddenly had a moment where she thought, well, if this is true, I'm not going to entertain it anymore. 
You imagine the relief of that woman. Imagine she's been distraught. I know she'll watch this. Good testimony, Alison. How's her daughter now? That thing left her. Dear God, deal with her. Amen. Gone. The doctors are like, how? She's on medication. She's with the best people. Can't explain it. Can I tell you a quick story about Mark? I know I've gone on a bit. I'll tell you a story about Mark, seeing you asked. Mark phoned me. I'm, get this, right? Let me think how I can cut this short. I can't. So, <laughs> Mark, he joined the discipleship group, right? He looks like, and Mark, when you watch this, you know we're good, so I can say this. He looks like, have you ever seen Phil Mitchell off EastEnders? It's a double of him, right? So you, you can't miss him now. So when he comes into church, you see Phil Mitchell. It's not Phil Mitchell. It's Mark, right? So Mark comes to the discipleship group. He sits down and he says, this was it. Uh, Phil, correct me if I'm wrong. I know you love to. It's this. He said this. I think you lot are a bunch of nuts. Bunch of nutters. And I'm not quite sure about the whole God thing, right? He goes, but I, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm here. He goes, but I'm going to listen I don't want any, you know, EBGB stuff pushed on me, right? Nice guy. But he, think we're, he, thought we're, he said, I think you guys are fruitcakes. I said, well, we think you're a fruitcake, so it's fine. So he stayed, in the, he stayed in the meeting, right? And every week, you can ask some of the guys here who did the, who was doing the discipleship course at the moment. Every week, he wants to ask questions. One of the, one of the ladies doing the course said last week, I said it's, she said to him, it's amazing. She goes, the first week you're here saying we're fruitcakes, and this week you're asking how can you make sure your friends get saved? right? Anyway, he's not saved. He phoned me on Saturday this week, right? And he said this to me, honestly, when you see Phil Mitchell walk in, ask him, right? Because you won't believe this. He said this to me. He goes, can I give my life to God? This is yesterday, right? What day is it? Yeah, of course it's Sunday. (laughs) We wouldn't be here if it wasn't Sunday, would we? So he says, he says, I want to give my life to the Lord. And then we got cut off, and then the phone, I'm trying to phone him, he's trying to phone me, so I'm like, okay, Lord, just make this happen, right? He said, I want to tell you something, Lance. He said, in May this year, I plan to kill myself. I haven't said this at the group. He goes, I, to- I-, I even had the bath, the wine I was going to drink. I had this. He's my age, right? He said, I planned it. He said, that was me. I'm done with life. I've been hurt too much, he said. He said, he said, he said I'm killing myself. And he said, a couple of weeks after that, he walked in here. None of you helped. No, I'm joking. <laughs> he, walked, <laughs> he walked in here, right? And he said his life began to change. He started to think, these people, <laughs> this is a different crowd. He phoned me and he said this, I plan to kill myself. The way I was going to do it, and everything behind it. And then he said, when I was at discipleship group, Ben, (laughs) you've done well this discipleship group, Ben started to proclaim his words, his words, right? Honestly, he said, Ben started to proclaim the plans God had for my life. And Ben started to proclaim, obviously with a word of knowledge, with a prophetic word, Ben started to proclaim What's going on in his life? And he said things to him. He said, 
He said, there's no way on, the, on God's green earth, literally word for word, Ben could have known what has gone. I haven't told anyone this. He said, and now he's not even saved at this point. He says, I've told all my mates. You will not believe this guy. This guy is there. When I go to this meeting on a Wednesday, and they're telling me stuff that's going on in my life, he says, he said, I am absolutely convinced God is there now. He's gone from atheist, agnostic, to now he's like, I know God's real. Hearing these guys proclaim week on week, we're on week five. He phones me yesterday, he says, give my life to the Lord. I phoned him back, I got hold of him, and I said, Mark, thank you. <laughs> I haven't got to my punchline yet. He phones me up, and he says, I give my life to the Lord. I said, fine. He goes, but I can't, this is the guy who said he's going to wait until everything's right in his life before he gives his life to God. Didn't tell me he was planning on killing himself. He's, I said, what are you doing right now? He's got a landscape gardening business. He says, oh, I'm just, I'm busy. I've got to just finish. I've got leaves everywhere. He goes, I said, okay. He says, I said, have you got a minute? He goes, yeah. I go, we're going to do this now, mate. I go, what's more important than this now for you? He goes, but I look nuts. I said, well, you said we're the fruitcakes. And he says, you know, I'm stood in someone's garden with my hands in the air, about to give my life to Jesus. What's going on? So I prayed with him over the phone yesterday. He gave his life to Jesus. And he said, I now he's a stand-up comic as well. He says, I've never experienced joy before. How cool is that, man? Where we go, kingdom of God goes. We advance the kingdom with proclamation and demonstration. We share our story and we step out with a little bit of faith. I, guys, God will blow your mind. 